The Education of Little Tree, Fox and Hounds. It was late of a winter afternoon when Grandpa took old Maud and Ringer into the cabin because he said he didn't want them embarrassed before the other hounds. I figured something was to happen. Grandma already knew. Her eyes were twinkling like black lights and she put a deer shirt on me, just like Grandpa's. And he placed and placed her hand on my shoulder like she'd done him. And I felt might near grown up. I didn't ask, but I hung around. Grandma gave me a sack with biscuits and meat and said, I'll sit on the porch tonight and listen, and I will hear you. We went into the yard, and Grandpa whistled up the dogs, and off we set up the hollow by the spring branch. The hounds ran back and forth, hurrying us up. Grandpa kept his hounds for only two reasons. One was his corn patch, where every spring and summer, he assigned old Maud and Ringer to stay and guard against deer, coon, hogs, and crow getting all his corn. Like Grandpa said, old Maud, old Maud had no smell sense at all and was practical worthless on a fox trail, but she had a keen hearing and eyesight, and this gave her something she could do and take pride in, knowing she wasn't worth. Grandpa said if a hound or anybody else has got no feeling of worth, then it's a bad thing. Ringer had been a good trail dog. He was getting old now. His tail was broke, which made him look disheartened, and he couldn't see nor hear very well. Grandpa said he put Ringer with old Maud so he could help and feel that he was of worth in his old age, and it sort of dignified him, which it did for, for Ringer, walked around right stiff-legged and dignified, especially during the periods when he was working at the corn patch. Grandpa fed Old Ma and Ringer at the barn up in the hollow during corn raising time, for this wasn't far from the corn patch. They stayed there faithful. Old Maud was Ringer's eyes and ears. She would see something in the corn patch and take off after it, raising howls like she owned that corn patch and Ringer would follow doing the same. They'd go crashing through the corn and maybe old Maud would run right past the coon if she didn't see it for sure she couldn't smell it but Ringer following behind her could he'd put his nose to the ground and go braying after that coon. He'd run that coon out of that patch and hold on and hold on to his trail by smell until he run into a tree. Then he'd come back kind of sad, but him and old Maud never give up. They'd done their job. The other reason Grandpa kept hounds was for pure fun, trailing fox. He never used dogs to hunt game. He didn't need them. Grandpa knew the watering and feeding places, the habit and trails, even the thinking and character of all the game far better than any hound could learn. The red fox runs in a circle when he's chased by hounds. With his den in the center, he will start on a circle swing that measures maybe a mile, sometimes more across the middle. All the time he's running, 
he uses tricks, backtracking, running in water, and laying false trails, but he'll stick to the circle. As he grows tired, he will make the circle smaller and smaller until he retreats to his den. He dens up, they call it. The more he runs, the hotter he gets, and his mouth sweats out stronger smells that the dog that the dogs pick up on the trail and so get louder with their bang. It's called a hot trail. When the gray fox runs, he runs in a figure eight, and his den is just about where he crosses his trail each time to make the eight. Grandpa knew the thinking of the coon, too, and laughed at his mischievous ways and swore a solemn oath that on occasion the coon had laughed at him. He knew where the turkey ran and could track a bee from water to hive with the look of his eye. He could make the deer come to him because he knew his curious nature and he could see through a covey of quail without stirring a wing. He could ease through the covey of a quail without stirring a wing. But he never he never bothered him except for what we needed, and I know they understood. Grandpa lived with the game, not at it. The white mountain men were a hardy lot, and Grandpa bore with them well. But they would take their dogs and clatter all over the mountains chasing game this way and that until everything run for cover. If they saw a dozen turkey, why they killed a dozen turkey if they could. But they respected Grandpa as a master woodsman. I could see it in their eyes and the touching of their hat brims when they met him at the crossroads store. They stayed out of Grandpa's hollows and mountains with their guns and dogs. Whilst they complained a lot about the game getting scarcer and scarcer where they was. Grandpa often shook his head at their comments and never said anything, but he told me they would never understand the way of the Cherokee. With the dogs loping behind, I trotted close behind Grandpa because it was that mysterious, exciting time in the hollows when the sun had sunk and the light faded from red to shady blood and kept changing and darkening as if daylight was alive but dying. Even the dust breeze was sly with a whisper as if it had things to tell that it couldn't say out open. The game was going to its beds and the night creatures was coming out for the hunt. As we passed the meadow by the barn, Grandpa stopped and I stood practical under him. An owl was flying towards us down the hollow moving in the air no higher than Grandpa's head and passed right by, making no sound, not a whisper nor a whir of wing and settled silent as a ghost in the barn. Screech out, Grandpa said. The one you hear sometimes at night that sounds like a woman painting, going to catch some rats. I sure didn't want to disturb that old owl and rat catching and kept Grandpa between me and the barn as we passed. Dark fell in close and the mountains moved in on either side as we walked. Before long, we came to a Y in the trail and Grandpa 
taken the left. Now there was no more room for the trail except right on the edge of the spring branch. Grandpa called this the narrows. Seemed like you could stretch out your arm on either side and touch the mountains. Straight up they went, dark and feathered with treetops and left a thin slice of stars above us. Way off a morning dove called, longing a throat, way off a morning dove called, long and throaty, and the mountains picked it up and echoed the sound over and over, carrying it farther and farther away until you wondered how many mountains and hollows that call would travel, and it died away. So far, it was more like a memory than a sound. It was lonesome, and I trotted right up on Grandpa's heels. None of the hounds stayed behind me, which I wished they would. They stayed ahead of Grandpa, running back to him now and then, whining and wanting him to send them off trailing. The narrow sloped upward, and before long I could hear big water running. running. It was a creek that crossed what Grandpa called Hanging Gap. We moved off the trail up into the mountain above the creek. Grandpa set, sent the dogs off, and all he, all he had to do was point and say, Go! And off they went, giving little yelps, like young'uns going berry picking, Grandpa said. We sat down in a pine thicket above the creek. It was warm. Pine thickets give off heat, but if it's summertime, you want to sit amongst the oak or hickory or some such because pine gets plum hot. The stars were watering and moving around in the creek, riding on the ripples and splashes. Grandpa said we could commence to listen for the hounds in a little while when they picked up old Slick's trail. That's what he called the fox. Grandpa said that Grandpa said we was in Old Slick's territory. He said he'd known him about five years. Most people think that all fox hunters kill foxes, but it's not true. Grandpa never killed a fox in his life. The reason for fox hunting is the hounds to listen to their trailing. Grandpa always called off the hounds when the fox denned up. Grandpa said that when things had gotten monotonous for Old Slick, He'd gone so far as to try to come and sit in the edge of the cabin clearing, trying to get Grandpa and the hounds trailing. It sometimes caused Grandpa all manner of trouble with the hounds as they yelped and bayed with old Slick leading them up the hollow. Grandpa said he liked to slip up on old Slick when he was cantankerous and not in the mood for trailing. When a fox wants to den up, he'll use ingenious tricks to throw off the hounds. When he's playful, he will play all over the countryside. He said the best part was that old Slick would know he was being paid back for sashaying around the cabin and troubling Grandpa. Sure enough, the moon broke over the mountain, quarter used up. It sprinkled patterns through the pines and splashed lights on the creek and made thin silver boats of the fog tearing sailing slowly through the narrows. Grandpa leaned back against the pine and spraddled out his legs. I'd done the same thing 
and put the vittle sack right by me as it was my responsibility. Not far off, a big bay sounded and long and hollow. That's old Rippet, Grandpa said and laughed low. And it's a damn lie. Rippet knows what's wanted, but he can't wait. So he makes out like he's hit a trail scent. Listen to how falsify his bay sounds. He knows he's lying. Sure enough, it did sound that away. He's damn sure lying, I said. Me and Grandpa would cuss when we wasn't around Grandma. In a minute, the other hounds let him know as they howled around him, not bang. In the mountains, they call such a buffer dog, a bluffer dog. There was silence again. In a little while, a deep bay broke the stillness. It was long and far off, and I knew right then it was the real thing because it carried excitement in it. The other hounds took it up. That was Blue Boy, Grandpa said, up and coming to have the best nose in the mountains. And that's Little Red right behind him. And there's Bess. Another bay chimed in. This one kind of frantic, Grandpa said. And there's old Rippet, getting it in on the last. They was in full voice now, moving farther and farther away their chorus echoing backward and forward until it sounded like hounds all around. Then the sound disappeared. They're on the backside of Clinch Mountain, Grandpa said. I listened hard, but I couldn't hear anything. A night hawk went, see, from the side of the mountain beside us, cutting the air with a sharp whistle across the creek. A hoot out answered, hoo, hoo, who are you? Grandpa laughed low. Owl stays in the hollow. Hawk stays on the ridges. Sometimes old Hawk figures there's an easy pickings around the water and old Owl don't like it. A fish flopped a splash in the creek. I was beginning to get worried. Reckon I whispered to Grandpa that them hounds is lost. Nope, Grandpa said. We'll hear them in a minute, and they'll come out on the other side of Clinch Mountain and run across that ridge in front of us. Sure enough, they did. First, they sounded far off, then louder and louder, and they came banging and yelping long ways along the ridge facing us and across the creek somewhere down below. Then they came alongside of the mountain behind us and set off again for Clinch Mountain. This time, they ran on the near side of the Clinch Mountain and we heard them all the way across it. Old Slick is tightening up the circle, Grandpa said. This time after they crossed the creek, Old Slick may lead them right in front of us. Grandpa was right. We heard them splashing across the creek not far below us. And while they was splashing and bang, Grandpa sat up straight and grabbed my arm. There he is, Grandpa whispered. And there he was. Coming along through the willow poles on the creek bank, it was old Slick. He was trotting with his tongue hanging out and a bushy tail dangling kind of carelessly behind him. He had pointed ears and he jogged along real pickety, taking his time to go around a pile of brush. Once he stopped, lifted up a front paw and licked it. Then he turned his head backward 
toward the bang of the hounds and came on. Down in front of me, Grandpa, down in front of me and Grandpa, there were some rocks that stuck up in the water, five or six of them, and went out nearly to the middle of the creek. When Old Slick reached where the rocks were, he stopped and looked back like he was judging how far away the hounds was. Then he sat down, calm as you please, with his back to us, and just sat there looking at the creek. The moon glinted red off his coat, and the hounds were coming closer. Grandpa squeezed my arm. Watch him now. Old Slick jumped from the creek bank out onto the first rock. He stopped there for a minute and danced on the rock. Then he jumped to the next one and danced again, and then the next and the next until he reached the last one, nearly in the middle of the creek. Then he came back, jumping from rock to rock until he reached the one closest to the creek bank. He stopped and listened again, then stepped into the water and splashed up the creek until he was out of sight. He sure cut the time close because he had no more disappeared when here come the hounds. Blue Boy was leading with his nose right on the ground. Old Rippet was crowding him and Bess and Little Red was bunched right behind. Now and then, one of them would raise their nose and give out a ow that tingled your blood. They came to where the rocks went out into the creek and Blue Boy never hesitated as he went jumping from rock to rock and the rest of them right behind. When they reached the last rock in the middle of the creek, Blue Boy stopped, but old Rupert didn't. He jumped right in like there wasn't no doubt about it and started swimming for the other bank. Bess jumped in behind him and started swimming too. Blue Boy raised his nose and commenced to sniff the air and Little Red stayed there on the rock with him. In a minute, here come Blue Boy and Little Ann jumping back on the rocks towards us. They reached the bank and Blue Boy led the way. Then he hit Old Slick's trail and bayed long and loud, and Little Red chimed in. Bess reversed herself while she was still swimming and come back, while Old Rippet was running up and down the other bank at a total loss. He was howling and yelping and running back and forth with his nose on the ground. When he heard Blue Boy, he hit the creek water in a dive and swam so hard he splashed water all over his head until he made it to the bank and taken up the trail behind the rest of him. Me and Grandpa laughed so hard, we nearly fell off the mountain. I did lose my foot bracing holding on a pine sapling and rolled into cocklebar bushes. Grandpa pulled me out and we were still laughing while we pulled the burrs out of my hair. Grandpa said he knowed old Slick would pull that trick, and that's why he chose the place for us to sit. He said that without a doubt, old Slick had sat close by and watched the dogs his own self. Grandpa said the reason old Slick had wanted to have waited so long for the hounds to get close is that he wanted his scent to be fresh on the rocks, figuring that the hounds' feelings would take over for their sense when they got excited. It worked, too, with old Rippet and Bess, but not with Blue Boy and Little Red. Grandpa said that he had many's the time seen that same kind of thing 
feelings taken over sense, make as big a fools out of people as it had old Rippet, which I reckon is so. It had broken day and I hadn't even noticed. Me and Grandpa moved down the creek bank clearing and ate our sour biscuits and meat. The dogs was baying back and around and clumbing along the ridge in front of us. The sun topped the mountain, sparkling the trees across the creek and brought out brush wrens and a red cardinal. Grandpa slid his knife under the bark of a cedar tree and made a dipper by twisting one end of the bark. We dipped water from the creek, cold, where you could see pebbles on the bottom. The water had a cedary, cedary taste that made me hungrier, but we had et all the biscuits. Grandpa said old Slick might come up the farther creek bank at this time and we would get to see him again, but we'd have to sit quiet. I didn't move, not even when the ants crawled up on my foot, though I wanted to. Grandpa saw them and said it was all right to brush them off. Old Slick wouldn't see me do that, which I did. In a little while, the, hand, the hounds were below us again down the creek, and then we saw him lazing up, lazying up the creek bank on the other side with his tongue hanging out. Grandpa gave a low whistle, and old Slick stopped and stared across the creek at us. He stood there a minute with his eyes crinkled up like he was grinning at us. Then he snorted and trotted off out of sight. Grandpa said old Slick snorted because he was disgusted, being caused all this inconvenience. I remembered old Slick had it coming to him. Grandpa said some fellers told that they had heard about foxes swapping out, but he had actually seen it. He said years ago he had been fox trailing and was sitting on a hillock above a meadow clearing he said the fox a red one came along with the hounds behind him and stopped at a hollow tree and gave a little bark he said another fox came out of that hollow tree and the first one got in then the second fox trotted off leading the dogs on the trail he said he moved close to that tree and could hear that old fox actually snoring while the hounds was passing a few feet from him he said that old fox had so much confidence in himself that he didn't give a damn lick or a lick damn how close them dogs came around him. Here comes Blue Boy and the pack up the creek bank. They bayed every step or two. It was a strong trail. They passed out of sight and in a minute one bay split off from the rest and broke up into yelps and howls. Grandpa cussed. He said, damn old Rippet is trying to cut across again and cheat on old Slick. He's gone and gotten himself lost in the mountains, such as known as a cheater hound. Grandpa said that he would have to set up a hollering and bang ourselves to guide old Rippet back to us. And that would call off the trailing because the other dogs would come too. So we did. I couldn't give the long ho- I couldn't give the long holler like Grandpa. It was almost like a yodel, but I did tolerable well. Grandpa said, "In a little while, here they come." And old Rippet was ashamed of what he had done. 
He hung back behind the others, hoping I reckon that he would pass unnoticed. Grandpa said it served him right, and maybe this time it would learn him that you can't cheat without making unnecessary trouble for yourself, which proves out as reasonable. The sun had slanted into the afternoon when we left Hanging Gap, back down the narrows toward home. The dogs dragged their feet in the trail, and I knew they were tired. I was too, and would have had a hard time making it if Grandpa hadn't been so tuckered that he walked along slow. It was dusk evening when we sighted the cabin clearing. And Grandma, she was out on the trail to meet us. She picked me up, although I could have made it, and put an arm around Grandpa's waist. I guess I was tuckered, for I fell asleep on her shoulder and didn't know when we got to the cabin.